0: Hello and welcome to Altamar. I'm Moni Jensen.
1: And I'm Peter Schechter, here to navigate the rough seas of global politics. This time we're navigating the Baltic seas and more specifically we're going to talk about NATO's recent inclusion of Finland and eventually Sweden into the military Alliance. We're going to discuss the implications and complications, the power struggles and the response by Russia with our guest, Sinuhe Wallenhaimo, a Finnish member of parliament and also an avid ice hockey champion. We'll definitely ask him about that later.
0: So, Peter, are you a hockey fan? I didn't know that.
1: No, like you know, I'm a (laughs) soccer fan, but I'd love to go to an ice hockey game. I've never been, and everybody tells me that it's one of the fastest, most exciting things that one can watch in sports, so... Why don't we all go together? We should,
0: absolutely. But meanwhile, Peter, many times on this podcast, we talk about geopolitics in the context of these large and powerful countries. We discuss China, the US, Mexico just recently, and the way these large, powerful countries shape the global power structure. But this time, we will focus on the very large impact of very small countries that today have created enormous geostrategic waves in the world order. So Finland with only 5.5 million people and for 100 years, a fully neutral country has joined NATO as a reaction to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now, think about that. It's reversing history. It's got 830 miles of border separating the co- two countries. That's a, definitely an incentive. And it's definitely not a surprise that this decision has changed the Russia f- Finnish relationship from high tolerance to high tension.
1: So I guess, Mooney, the question is, what does this mean for Finland? What does it mean for Europe? What does it mean for Russia and for NATO? And for one, I think it shows how Russia's aggressive invasion of Ukraine has eroded the concept of neutrality as an effective policy in this massively and increasingly polarized world. It's now nearly impossible to be on the fence. It also, as we mentioned, underscores how small countries can be big players. Finland's accession to NATO also changes the balance of power in Europe by spreading NATO's borders northwards towards the Arctic. And Putin, whose army is bogged down in Ukraine, has been left hurling empty threats about an escalation of Russia's air defense forces. Sweden is entirely another story. It's next in line to be accepted as a NATO member, and the Swedes have found many hurdles to their membership in the military alliance, thanks to Hungarian and Turkish opposition, on the grounds of allegedly housing terrorist groups opposed to Erdogan and hostility towards Hungary's President Orbán. Negotiations are ongoing and have obviously political motivations, and the expectation is that membership is going to happen, and the end result is that both Sweden and Finland have strong militaries and are going to provide a much-needed military boost in the Baltic Sea, and they're going to be batting far above their weight.
0: It's true. Small countries with big voices, a war raging in the middle of Europe and the ability to deter aggression clearly faltering. The balance of power is hard to read. Meanwhile, Russia is not backing down in Ukraine and China is making threats of their own against Taiwan. NATO is and should be now more relevant than ever. But as membership increases and as Sweden has discovered, there are voices of dissension within NATO as well. Let's hear from you about how young people see these confusing changes.
2: Hi, I'm Tia Ivanovich, and this is Tia's Take, where we take a look at youth and social justice issues. And today I really want to take a look at the youth vote in Finland and in Sweden. And an interesting phenomenon is happening across Europe when it comes to the youth vote, and it's becoming increasingly conservative. That's in line with what I discussed in my section a few podcasts ago about Israeli youth. But ironically, it's really the opposite of what's happening in the U.S., So anyway, let's go back to the Nordics and and delve a little deeper. So we should really all be paying attention to this because the recent April elections in Finland showed a win for the moderate National Coalition Party with 20.8% of the vote. But the far right Finns party was right at their heels with 20.1%. The popular prime minister, Sanna Marin, is young and hip and was a darling of many young Westerners, but her Social Democratic Party only came in third with 19.9% of the vote. So most concerning is that 29% of Finnish voters aged 18 to 29 voted for the Finns Party, which is formerly known as the True Finns Party, and it's a really far right party focused on, you know, around your skepticism, immigration control. So in this recent election, it became the most popular party for young voters. And it's now the second largest party in the Finnish parliament, likely possibly to form a ruling coalition. That's not certain yet, as the winning um, the National Coalition Party may choose to invite Sana Marin's Social Democrats back to the table to form a more moderate coalition, you know that that would be potentially politically dangerous for them, but it would keep away the far right from you know a big position in government, which would be a junior partnership that really gives all the benefits but not the responsibility of governing. And you know that would be really dangerous longer term. So in neighboring Sweden, the nationally conservative Sweden Democrats also became the second biggest party in last year's elections and really they doubled their support among voters eighteen to twenty one. Sweden right now holds the EU presidency chair and, you know, with a strong influence from this party's platform, which is anti-immigration, Euroscepticism, Sweden's task to deal with Europe's problems is really all the more difficult. And again, really something we should all be paying attention to. So here's my take. There's something really strange happening across Europe. Traditional center-left parties are no longer able to connect with young voters, which, you know, a generation that has experienced the recession, a pandemic, climate change, now this huge shift in the way we think of work. And by the way, check our previous podcast for more on uh, how work is changing. So we can keep complaining about it and we can analyze these numbers, but more moderate leaders really need to find touch points that directly connect with and impact young voters, whether it's social issues, economic opportunity, or quality of life. So as always, engage with me on social media by tweeting at Altamar podcast. Very curious to hear what you think about it.
1: Thank you, Taya. Well, it's time to welcome our guest, Sinohei Wallenheim. Mika Sinohei Wallenheim is a Finnish politician and former professional ice hockey goaltender. After his sporting career, he entered politics and was elected to the Parliament of Finland as a member of Parliament for the National Coalition Party in 2011, then re-elected in 2015, again in 2019, and now recently once again. His National Coalition Party just won the majority of Finland's recent national elections in early April. Sinohe, welcome to Altamar. We're so pleased to have you.
3: Thanks. Thanks for being here. I'm honored to be here and... uh... Yeah, it would be easier for me to talk about the sports, but uh, now because I'm a politician, we have to do it.
1: <laughs> well, you went from one very rough sport into another very rough sport. How does how did uh, were you were you missing roughness?
3: <laughs> well, to be honest with you, no. But uh, the mental toughness have to be there. Uh, if if you're a sports athlete or a politician, you have to be mentally tough. And uh, it's good that I have this background of uh, being in a mental tough uh, occupation.
1: Totally get it. I can I can imagine the discipline. Well, listen, I, I want to begin by saying congratulations on your party's recent electoral victory. And I wanted to begin with that because it's it's a relatively recent affair. And how will Finland change with your party in power? And clearly, your party needs coalition partners. Tell us how you think the new government might look?
3: Well, first of all, thank you. for the. I, I don't think that foreign policy will change a lot. That's the bottom line there. I, I think the uh, government before did very good job. For example, Prime Minister Marin, she was there three years. First year, she took care of the COVID very good. And then uh, second year, she uh, and the government bought the F-35 fighter planes. And uh, uh, last year, she actually, the government uh, did take the path to uh, being a NATO member. So uh, the foreign policy wise, this uh, government did very good. On the other hand, they didn't do very good domestic, for example, uh, the public debt, it's it's been uh, rising and rising. And uh, the issues that were actually on the beforehand, in, before the elections, we were talking about just the domestic issues. For example, this uh, public death or how to get people to be a hospital. There is a lot of lines in the hospitals right now. Uh, what kind of reforms we're going to have on the labor market and so on. So the issues were not in favor about uh, this government. So that's, that was basically why they, they lost the election. On the other hand, we yes we uh, we did win the election and uh, now we have to form the government and uh, it's not going to be easy I can tell you that.
1: <laughs> well, let's you know let's move to to uh, foreign policy since that's what we like to talk about on Altamar. You you've been a member of Parliament since 2011. You've, there's been a really big shift in foreign policy in Finland, and there certainly seems to be consensus. Around Finland's accession to NATO, that includes that goes, I guess, from the center left all the way to the center right. Give us a sense of how Finnish voters see Finland in the context of national security and foreign and foreign affairs. How did this change happen?
3: Well, to be honest with you, it, it was such a fast change. Uh, it happened in a couple months last year, like fourteen months ago, when the Russia attacked Ukraine. The shift was there right away uh beforehand uh there was the poll that uh people in finland favored uh, nato maybe 25 percent of the 20 to 25 percent of the people were in favor of nato and in couple of weeks we went up to the 70 80 percent so the shift was unbelievable and there was of course we have our own history and uh, we were we had been fighting against soviet union in the second world war and uh, uh i think the mental aspect was that never again alone so something has to be done and uh, uh, that was the case why the switch was so fast and uh it happened for example prime minister marin said that it's not going to happen during her term but uh, in a couple weeks uh, everybody knew it's going to happen so the we had our history and something had to be done and uh, we had this feeling and never never again alone and uh, we were joining NATO and it, it happened fast.
1: But can I can I just push you on that a little yeah, bit? Because of it seems it, it seems like a dichotomy. On the one hand, you mentioned how the poll just so drastically changed, but on the other hand, in you know, everything I've read about this recent election and Everything you told us just now about the recent election was that it was mostly about domestic issues yeah it wasn't it wasn 't about neutrality or not neutrality it wasn 't about NATO or not nato it wasn 't even about Russia or not Russia it was all about domestic issues yeah how, how does it work to have such a huge political dynamic change on foreign policy and yet it really wasn 't an issue at all in the elections well how, how
3: did it happen well uh, well when we uh, started our uh, this uh, holiday when we were on the streets talking to the people, people didn't uh, talk about NATO or joining NATO anymore. They didn't talk about the foreign policy issues because everything was done. Everything was basically done and uh, it wasn't on the table anymore. So people just uh, moved on to the domestic uh, issues and so on. So it just happened. It happened really fast. To be honest with you, I don't even know what happened because it was such a fast change, but uh, it it was off the table. We were joining NATO and that's it. Move on.
0: So Finland became NATO's 31st member country in early April, and it was, as you say, of pretty obvious decision for Finland with a ton of consensus in the end but it became worldwide news and and everybody was following what steps that Finland was taking and and how momentous it was going to be to to have Finland add uh, added to NATO and we will talk about the implications for a global balance of power but first what changed in like the attitude of Finns now that you are part of NATO I know that for instance in Spain it's it's a it's a matter of pride to be part of NATO But is that the same kind of sentiment in Finland?
3: Uh, Tough to say. I I, I would say that it might be, actually, it is a pride already. And uh, people in Finland are saying, okay, we're now a member of NATO and uh, I I can actually see the flags somewhere in Finland already. So we have been taking pride of it too. Hopefully, there will be not any visible changes on, on our citizens. But in the end, we know that we are more secure and the feel of being secure is there. So that's probably the most biggest issue that uh, the we are feeling secure again. And like I said, we have our own history with the Soviet Union and uh, Russia. So uh, that's, that's why there was kind of a notion that we have to... Be more secured, even though we have very good defense forces and so on. But uh, yeah, I, I I think we're pride <laughs> proud <Pride laughs> with uh, NATO joining NATO already. But uh, hopefully, it will evolve more and more.
0: What is interesting, though, also is that you joined uh, NATO with with a with a strong hand, even as a small country. It, it, some people believe that obviously the the military buildup yeah. will be improved that that's pretty obvious, but the fact that Finland has been neutral for a hundred years, mm. is that something that you believe is, um, is an asset for NATO in a polarized world? Or is that uh, kind of a, a, a weakened hand?
3: Well, for sure. Our defense forces, they are very good and probably they will help NATO a lot. We have been kind of slightly turning over to the west in the last decades for example going to the european union and uh taking euro as a currency and so on so we've been taking those steps and uh, i think the nato was the missing piece of that puzzle in order to be a really uh, uh, on the west side of the global scale so uh yeah i i I mean the steps has been taking we always have had or we have had this uh nato option in our governmental programs for years but now uh yeah what happened over a year ago it took the nato option to the table and we decided to be members so uh yeah the nato has been the missing puzzle and uh yeah, no, no, we're NATO partners and not neutral anymore,
0: and with a strong military hand as well. And and I, it's pretty obvious that NATO changes the military and strategic balance of power for NATO and as it does for for Europe. It also has already created some responses from from Putin. Do you believe that the the accession of, of Finland to NATO will create uh, some? kind of blowback from from Russia that would that would cause some increased risk
3: well uh, we joining nato i mean we don't want to irritate russia or putin i mean we just want to defend our country and uh, with the highest priority and that's why we joined nato so that's that's probably the case for us but obviously it's going to change the nato a lot and for example the Baltic Sea will be the inner sea of uh, NATO and uh, yeah there's gonna be a lot of more border with uh, NATO and the Russia so uh, there might be some incidences for example hybrid uh, attacks from the from the like uh, cyber attacks from the Russian side but uh, we were ready and uh, I mean we've been ready. Uh, the last 50 years so I mean or 70 80 years so I mean why wouldn't we re- ready now just to defend ourselves and uh, with NATO that's that's more even more secured
1: but you know, hey there's already been statements from Russia and Putin about how this is a provocation. Uh, do, do you see I mean I'm just interested in, in beyond just the foreign policy implications do, do finns on the street, worry about another whole decade or so of of threats and retaliations with with Finland and do you worry about how to defend the the, the 1300 kilometer border that you share with Russia
3: well I think uh, we are more secured right now with the uh, joining NATO than before so I I think right now the Finland is most secure that it has ever been. So uh, I don't think that's the issue. And uh, I think the citizens in Finland, they feel the same way. Okay, we have our very good defensive forces and we could have uh, fought against uh, Russia just by ourselves. But now with the NATO, I mean, we feel more secured, And that's the bottom line.
1: Tell me a little bit about how the balance of Europe shifts to the north a little bit. You know, there's been there's been lots written about how the Arctic is now going to be a new focus, particularly given climate change and melting ices that are melting earlier. And and you know, Russia has made has made this a, a relatively large issue, even with some strategic alliances with China on the Arctic. But Now NATO suddenly has a very large Arctic component with Finland being in it. How do you see the shift towards the north of NATO?
3: Well, of course, there will be a big change when uh, Finland is now a member of NATO. And uh, when when Sweden will join, hopefully soon, it means that that the first time in history, all the nations, five Nordic states, three Baltic states together with Poland and Germany are part of the same military alliance. So that's going to be a big, big issue. For example, uh, how to defend the whole uh, Baltic Sea or even the Arctic. And the Arctic will be crucial if something happens with the Baltic Sea. So uh, the Arctic Sea would be very crucial and we should be alert with that. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be big shift to the north, I think now, but uh, nothing w- that NATO or Finland could handle.
1: You mentioned how part of the westward shift was beginning already a decade or even more ago with joining the Euro and the EU, yeah. etc. And you know, now that Britain is out of the EU, uh, certainly Macron annoyed everybody in Europe with his recent statements in China. It's just interesting because it seems like other, particularly Eastern European countries are gaining stronger voices within Europe themselves. And now you will have sort of a, a new Finnish voice and a new, probably soon, a new Swedish voice. H- how do you see this changing alignment in Europe as well?
3: Well, I agree that centers of power in Europe have, have been in a flux for maybe a past 10 years. Uh, however it's currently difficult to say what what will be the more permanent endpoint of all these changes yes the UK is out from the EU but in the European security and defense policy I see that they are uh, becoming even more important player in this field okay yes Germany as you said <laughs> in shackles after glorious time of a uh, Merkel in the lead and uh, France, yeah they have a very curious situation as well but i don't know if the european influence is moving north northwards perhaps eastwards i don't know it all depends on the leaders of those nations right now and i think it's time for european union just to breathe a little bit and uh, find a new vision
0: we try not to take a u.s centered focus with this podcast actually none of us yeah Are, are full uh, american born or anything but let's think about the relationship between the us and europe and yeah. how much it has changed after the russian invasion and and china's threats to taiwan peter mentioned macron's comments and the uh, kind of the desire always of europe to not have to defer to the united states foreign policy how is that relationship between the U.S. and Europe changing? Because in the beginning of the war, they seemed as strong as ever. But now we are trying or starting to see fractures. Is that the way you see it from, from your end?
3: Well, Russian invasion has shown that the U.S. importance of Europe and NATO to defend its own global position in the world is very crucial. I, I think those Macron comments, they were a bit naive, we have seen how how US is uh, acting right now and uh, stepped up in Ukraine. So uh, I I would think that uh, Europe has to be a little bit uh, on the NATO side on this this project. And uh, if you think that uh, US wouldn't be here helping us right now in Europe so uh, that would be a very huge problem for us so that's why I don't really I didn't like the comment on Macron saying what he said about Taiwan that it it shouldn't be a Europe's problem I I think uh, right now everything should be our problem and Securing the peace in the world.
2: So, Sinuhe, I want to go back to to Finnish politics. My colleagues asked you a lot about um, foreign policy yeah. and all the implications, but this was an interesting election for for many reasons. And I want to particularly ask you about the youth vote. You know, the True Finns, the Finns Party, the far right party, became the second largest party in this election. You know, you guys came in first, but yeah. they came in second. So. You know, are you concerned that sort of the youth in Europe in general, this is not a Finnish phenomenon, it's happening across Europe, is moving really to the right? You know, why is that in Finland and, and what are some of your thoughts on that?
3: Well, that's a good question. We've been wondering that too. But uh, I think, uh, especially in the Finnish case, uh, Finns did actually, the party. of Finns did actually very good uh, program with the youth in TikTok. And uh, this TikTok uh, generation, actually, they watch a lot of uh, the, those uh, videos there, and uh, the Finns were by far the most uh, influential party in the TikTok, and they, they got a lot of votes from the youth right there. So, actually, that kind of uh, puts us in uh, these old uh, parties you know, wondering that we, we should go to TikTok, too. So... This was probably the first election in Finland, how the social media really took over, especially with the um, youngsters and and, uh, especially with the TikTok. So (laughs) I I don't know. Maybe I should be involved with that, too. You should. You
2: absolutely (laughs) should.
3: (laughs) Yeah, but I don't know. They're owned by Chinese uh, so uh the TikTok it's uh, yeah I don't know what's going to happen with TikTok but uh yeah it's it's very pop- popular here in Finland and also in other parts of the Europe and uh, especially with the uh, youth so we will see
2: Yeah we're um we're nearing the end of the show I have to ask you though um you know we're all wondering about the coalition of Finland yeah. and whether you're going to choose to partner with the Finns or whether you're going to invite the social democrats back Is there anything you can tell us about that? (laughs)
3: Well, it's going to be, like I said earlier, it's going to be a tough one because, uh, for example, the Finns and us, we have a lot of uh, differences between how uh, how to view the Europe or European Union or the immigration. On the other hand, uh, with the, this uh, so-called blue-red coalition, where the us and social democrats would be in government, we have a lot of uh, different ideas with the reforms in our labor markets or how to how to deal with the public debt. So uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of discussions behind the scenes uh, how to get. Uh, government in Finland, but uh, in the end, it's going to happen, but it might take a long time.
2: No, I can imagine. Well, we have one question left and we always like to ask our guests to take out their crystal ball. So uh, we want to ask you specifically on, on NATO's path for Sweden. What are some of your expectations and timelines and, um, you know, where do you think this, this might be going?
3: Well, I know that they have had a lot of discussions through the process like we did there shouldn't be any big issues on the table. For but some reason, uh, in Ankara and Budapest, they're not <laughs> happy yet with the Swedish uh, process. But uh, I hope they will be members in a NATO summit in Vilnius, and uh, that's that's my bet. And uh, hopefully, that's what that will be the case.
2: We have to say goodbye. I wish as a former tennis player, I wanted Ooh. to ask you more about hockey, <laughs> but we can do that <laughs> some other time. Sinuhe Walamino, thank you so much for joining us on Altamar.
3: Okay. Thank you a lot. It's been an honor.
0: So Peter, one of the coolest things about this podcast is that we see such different angles. And and as I listen to our guest, it seems that the 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 vision from finland is completely different and what we have been following as global you know news and this all of the speculation and anticipation and analysis and we've talked about orban and erdogan and and what their motivations are in sweden and and what this means for france they're just seeing this whole thing as a very logical step a matter of fact decision with a lot of consensus not to change the balance of power of the world but just to prepare and to protect themselves so it could be more simple than we're looking at it from here
1: do you know what's so striking about that is that there's really no discussion i mean that's what the war in the russia's aggression in ukraine has wrought russia and has wrought to putin i mean it just what what goes through my mind as i listen to a finnish member of parliament saying we just made this decision in 14 months and the election wasn't even about that nobody cared anymore because everything changed with russia's aggression and nobody gave this another thought it was it, like you said it was like not only a, the logical next step but it almost was so powerful that there was no choice it was like a like a such an enormous thing that simply changed everybody's mind and they moved they moved right on and i I just think it history will treat vladimir putin very very badly because of what he's done to russia
2: No, i I totally agree and what i found also interesting is when you talk to People, you know, in in government, right, that are actually leading the country, the conversation is so different than when you talk to analysts, right, or, you know, think tankers or even talking about the coalition forming, right? Like my question about, you know, like, I'm worried, are you going to invite the Finns to the coalition? You know, what does that mean long term? You know, members of parliament are thinking like, well, you know, we disagree with them on this, but we also disagree, you know, with um, the social democrats on other things. And it's a much more matter of fact, uh, to your point, Mooney, much more matter of fact, discussion and decision making, which It's it's just fascinating when you talk to actual policymakers. So with that, that's the end of our show. And you can listen to Altamore wherever you get your podcasts. Please do rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us a lot. And sign up for our biweekly free newsletter directly delivered to your inbox for analysis of global trends. We will see you next time.